Welcome to Easy Jazz Spotlight. In this episode, host John Armato speaks to emerging jazz singer Lucy Winans from Kansas City. Lucy has performed throughout the world, perfecting her craft. In this interview, she reveals to John that she feared her career was coming to a crashing end when the pandemic began. But she learned how to survive and thrive. John also discovered that Lucy is multi-talented, making a name for herself not only as a jazz singer, but as a painter as well. Discover the art, music, and life philosophies of Lucy Winans. Hi, I'm John Armato with another Easy Jazz Spotlight for Easy Jazz FM. And today I'm sitting down with an outstanding young jazz vocalist who I know very well, not only because she sang the most popular single on my album, The Drummer Loves Ballads, but she's also the daughter of one of my dearest friends. And it is with special pride that I say I know you will be glad to get to know Lucy Winans too. Born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, Lucy was surrounded by all kinds of music growing up. Her mother, Lisa Smith, is an art historian and self-proclaimed defender of the groove, which I love. <laughs> she brought the funk, she brought the soul, she brought the rock. Stereos blasting, hard dancing, and loud singing was big in their house. Lucy grew up in an environment where love, liberation, and celebration of the individual was the norm. Her father, Brom Winans, is one of the few living masters of stride piano. He took Lucy to gigs even as a toddler, where she learned to swing seated on his knee while his hands moved up and down the keyboard. Soon enough, she was not just the cute kid, but the precocious young singer, soaking up wisdom from Kansas City's countless resident uh, and visiting jazz masters. While she was bonding with her dad, she was also nurturing a maturity of voice and poise that defied her age. By the time she blew out the candles for her 25th birthday just this past November, Lucy had moved to New York toured the Netherlands, Japan, and Israel, completed a 16-week residency singing with the world-famous Birdland Big Band, became a regular at Manhattan's Mesro and other jazz clubs, won the prestigious Ella Fitzgerald competition, picked up a degree in jazz studies from SUNY Purchase's Conservatory of Music, and graduated from there as an Ella Fitzgerald Scholar and President's Award recipient. And now she can add releasing her debut album to that list but only after graduating straight into the COVID pandemic and wondering what all those closed jazz clubs meant to her would-be career. We'll talk more about how Lucy navigated all that, but more important, we'll talk about and listen to the music that resulted. The album is called Something Awaits, and it features three originals with lyrics by Lucy, as well as three extraordinary but unexpected covers. What awaited Lucy was a timely move from sought-after guest artists on other people's albums, to independent creator with her own distinct and mature vision worthy of her own spotlight. What awaits you is a remarkably rich but thoroughly youthful voice that gives lyrics a most enchanting place to dwell. Lucy, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Uh, I, I've been excited to, to spend time with you about this because obviously we've uh, been a part of and followed each other's careers for a long time. And uh, it's it's just so exciting to see you get to this point with yours. And the CD is amazing. Uh, I've listened to it a number of times. And I want to start, I think, the conversation around uh, the title, um, Something Awaits, which is a provocative sort of line. Where did the, Where did the title and the concept come from for you? Well, I think the proper place to start is the pandemic. 
uh, <laughs> which we all know happened in 2020. And that hit during my senior year of college. Um, and I, I sort of thought that my singing career was was over before it started. There were no venues to perform in. My perform my post grad performances were all canceled. Um, but thanks to a random conversation and an emotional performance, everything changed at once. I discovered this underground jazz club in Brooklyn called Wilson Live, um, and I met some like minded musicians and artists um, who I created with full time. I moved to Brooklyn and to be around them full time, and um, and it sort of became my creative playground. Um, I painted there, sang there, recorded there. And it was there that I did uh, a show that was very emotional and healing um, that I really came to believe that making art was the process of being lost and found all at once. And um, I, I wanted to capture the, the magic of that. So that's what inspired the title. Something wow. like well, there's there's so much there I want to get into. Uh, real quickly, you mentioned painting. You're not just a musician. You're an artist of multiple dimensions. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your painting and, and how that uh, relates to or doesn't uh, relate to your music. Is that a part of the same impulse? I think so. I think uh, the singing is more extroverted, more of a performance, more of a... I mean, they're both a release. Painting is also a release, but painting is more, um, more introverted, more, uh, more cerebral kind of, I think. Um, but the painting started, I think it was always sort of there. I was always sort of a visual artist. Um, my mom says that I was always a graffiti artist drawing on grandma's <laughs> walls. But you can't do that, Lucy. You can't draw on the walls. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was always sort of a part of me, but um, the pandemic is uh is when the painting really really became kind of an addiction and a necessity um so it, it did bring out some some liberating impulses in my singing it opened something up so i think the two kind of weave together and, and well and this this creative playground you describe at this place called wilson live uh, talk a little bit more about that you mentioned that there's sort of a random conversation that led you there can you can you explain yeah, I think I was singing at Small's Jazz Club one night, and um, a friend of mine um, said, "Hey, do you know do you know that that club in Brooklyn, Wilson Live?" And I said, "No, but let's go." And <laughs> we, went. <laughs> we went, and I met all the the musicians there, and it was sort of a, a it was it was a different place. It's a different place. It was really inspiring. Lots of art, lots of musicians, and it was it was very uh, very inspiring for me. So. Um, it was totally random, um, and I met all the the guys there and decided, hey, I mean, these are some, like I said, some like-minded people who just want to create all the time, and I think I just want to be around them all the time. And so um, I had a friend who let me uh, put down a tarp in the recording studio and paint in there. Oh, and, in the recording studio, yeah, with no with no fear for their for their gear, huh? <laughs> I mean, being honest, it's, not, it's kind of like a little hippie compound, if we're being honest. So, but, <laughs> for me, um, and uh, and I, I painted in there pretty much every day. It became an obsession, and um, and I, I got to hang up my art in there and sort of display it, and yeah. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, and we'll get to this a little bit more later too, you started writing some lyrics in this time period as well. You started collaborating with the with these guys. Is that right? Yes. So um, the great bassist Omer Avital, this is his club that he began, um, and I started writing some lyrics to to his songs um, to to a song Bedsty. That was the first song that I wrote lyrics to, which is on my album, um, and that led to a bunch of other things, a bunch of other. Yeah. 
Well, we'll talk about that because I love that tune and it's got a lot of attitude, but it sounds to me, I mean, I, I guess this is what you're saying here. I mean, this idea of being lost and found and graduating into the pandemic, once you found this place, it sounds almost explosive, I think was a term you used at one time. I mean, yeah. creating every day, lots of different ways. Um, I mean, that had to have been exhilarating. I mean, it sounds like sort of the return of hope, if you will. It was, it was. And I think that's exactly what I found was a healing, a healing process um, through art and creating music with people. I mean, it just, it was survival for me and for, for other people. So, and, and these are the, the core players on, on your album, right? Yeah. So why, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the personnel? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Omar Avital, he is um, a great bassist. Um, it's a, a great pleasure and one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to um, have sung with him at all and write with him. So Omer Avital and Gadi Lahavi on piano and Itai Morhi on drums. That is the main trio that was. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to talk more about um, the rest of the rest of the players on the album, but um, I. Yeah, I well, we, yeah, we can, we can get into more of that. You know, I, you trigger thought just as I was, we were getting ready for this about a week or so ago, I was in the car and was listening to the local jazz station and there was a, just a great tune playing. I'm like, Oh, I gotta like, make sure I hear them backing okay. out who this was. And, uh, it, it was Omer. Uh, uh, and I never say his name very well. Uh, but, uh, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, how cool is this? This is, this is Lucy's bass player. And this, this guy writes wonderful stuff. And yeah. I immediately yeah. went and bought that album. Uh, so you're, you're, you're working with terrific players. Um, and you know, I should, I should know, I should make clear to people here, this is your debut album under your own name. And as a leader, but you've been doing quite a bit of recording. You did the shadows of Paris on my album, which thank mm -hmm. you very much. Most popular <laughs> tune on the album. Uh, but you've recorded with a variety of other folks. And I think just last year, right. With John DiMartino. Something like that. Yeah. So describe a little bit about some of your recording experience and, and, and the difference between being a voice for hire and the, the person in charge of the vision. Well, I think the main difference um, is that there's much more responsibility involved um, when it's your own project and when you have to be the leader. I mean, you got to think about paying people. You got to think about yeah. all the equipment being in place. You got to make sure everybody's feeling the music. And I mean, it's a lot to think about. Um, but I'm just so, so happy that um, I'm able to do this, especially by myself. I feel empowered and I'm really lucky that I've been able to do this this album. Well, the result is great. I mean, uh, and, and we'll listen to a cut here shortly, but I, I find it remarkable. There's six tunes, three originals, three um, uh, cover tunes, uh, but there's this, um, there's so much groove, but yet restraint. Uh, the, the trio is, is just really ex exemplary, in my opinion, with just great discretion, moments of, of little phrases here and there that surprise and entertain and your voice is spectacular i think i think when people hear you they're they're, they're going to have the same reaction i always hear from people which is who is that you know <laughs> um but you know for you where did that voice come from because you 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 know I'm, I'm familiar with your history a little bit but your dad's playing stride and some vintage and trad kind of stuff uh, yeah. and is has this extraordinary history has grown up in the Netherlands and surrounded by that, that culture of jazz. Yeah. Your mom is, you know, all about David Bowie, CV wonder, earth, yeah. wind and fire. Right. You know, so 
talk about the melting pot of sounds and where you think your voice and style comes from. Well, I, to this day, I don't know where my voice and style comes from, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that I have a lot of influence equally from, from both parents, both sides of the family. I mean, my mom, like you said, she loves Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind & Fire. My dad loves all the old stuff, like 1920s jazz. To, it's like yeah. 1920 to 1955. <laughs> That's yeah. Um, but my, on my mom's side of the family, um, like my uncle, he's a barbershop quartet singer. And oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. That's yeah. Right. We've got that kind of going on. We've got, um, some country Western influence going on. It was just sort of just a lot of influence. Um, but I think how I, when I really learned how to sing and tell a story was when I moved to New York at the age of 14 or something like that. And I, I started studying with um, one of my mentors and my main mentor, actually, Ann Phillips, who you've interviewed. Sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that's when I really learned how to uh, phrase a lyric and um, sort of dig into my own sound. You know, when when when, when Ann and I spoke for the show, uh, she she told a story about what it takes to really learn a lyric and and to give yourself to a song. She talked about the, I think it was Mabel Mercer who gave her the advice, you know, uh, read the lyric, recite the lyric long before you even begin to try and sing the lyric, but just yeah. like study the words, understand the story. And, and, it, and, it, and she has clearly passed that to you. And I am struck by the fact that you tell a story. You're, you're not just reciting or intoning words. Did that mostly come from Anne for you? I think uh, I think it's a skill. So I, I think um, learning learning that um, that skill definitely came from Anne. But I think storytelling has been a passion of mine for. Mm -hmm. But Anne is sort of who brought it out, I guess, and mm -hmm. taught me how to do that through song. Um, and go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, so you got a chance to study with a lot of great folks when you were uh, in college. Uh, I think folks like John Faddis, uh, Ingrid Jensen, talk a little bit about what your college experience was like. And Pete Malinverney, who, you know, I remember being sort of struck when you first mentioned him, because as a drummer, I remember reading uh, 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 Mel Lewis's autobiography and talking about doing a recording with a young Pete Malinverney. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you were, you've been surrounded by some really experienced veterans in, in the, in the uh, profession. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super lucky. Yeah. Pete and Faddis, they, they're, they're homies at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they've really, they've really taken up for me and supported me and taught me so much. And they're just a part of this, uh, this, this path that I'm on, this musical path. I mean, um, I learned so much at Purchase. Uh, I really did. It was nice to be around a bunch of other musicians who, who also really wanted to learn like I did. So yeah. Well, so it, it makes me wonder then, you know, because when we look at the album, I'm, I'm going to pull up the tune list here. Um, so "Always and Forever" is an original that you wrote on top of a piece of music that your dad had had written. Yes. "Going Out of My Head," uh, mm -hmm. classic 1964 sort of pop R&B. Start All Over Again is another original we'll talk about. Time Was, which is this gorgeous ballad that I'm a little embarrassed to say I, I wasn't familiar with until your album. I don't think uh, a lot of are familiar with it. <laughs> and, and it's just absolutely a thing of beauty. bed which is an original, and You'll Never Walk Alone, which is which is a, a Rodgers and Hammerstein you know, a musical classic. 
that's some interesting diversity. Do you think of yourself as a jazz singer or, you know, if, if it were entirely up to you, what would you call what you do? Gosh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, but, um, I, I, I'm just a singer. I'm a storyteller. I don't, I have, I have been trained in singing jazz. Sure. But, um, I, and, and I do have a particular taste for, for, for jazz music. Um, but, but I don't want to box myself into one title like that. Yeah. A jazz vocalist. Um, I, I don't know, singer, storyteller. I got to figure that out. <laughs> well, let's maybe pause here and give people a chance to help uh, figure it out uh, on their own as well, before we get too much deeper into the conversation. Uh, let's play a cut from the album. This is uh, the beautiful ballad we were just talking about, Time Was. And this is Lucy Winans from her debut album, Something Awaits. Let's take a listen. Time was when we had fun on the schoolyard swings, when we exchanged graduation rings, one lovely And hay rides, midwinter sleigh rides, never apart. Hikes in the country, and there's more than one tree on which I've a place in your heart. Then 
apart Hikes in the country And there's more than one tree On which I've a place A place in your heart If all our moments are half as sweet As all our time was then As all our time was That was Lucy Winans with the cut Time Was from her new release, Something Awaits. Um, and I want to mention right away that the album Something Awaits is available directly from Lucy, right, on your website, lucywinans.com. And I know you get this all the time, but it's not spelled anywhere near like it sounds. So yep. it's uh, Lucy is L-U-C-Y, but it's W-I-J-N-A-N-D-S, right? Yep. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so, so LucyWinans.com, check out her website. There's some terrific videos, uh, of Lucy's performances on there as well. Uh, but you can, you'll be able to find the album. It officially drops on the 30th of June. Uh, so next week as we record this and it'll be available pretty much, uh, anywhere you buy, download or stream your music. So check all the usual places. I do want to get on my soapbox for a moment and say, <laughs> please consider buying it instead of streaming it if you can. It varies from platform to platform, but it uh, it can take as many as a thousand streams for a musician to earn one dollar. Yep. So if you like the music uh, that you hear, you want the music you love to thrive, please buy it, support the artist, support Lucy. Um, it's money well spent. Uh, so Lucy, time was, to me, this is the shining star of the whole album. And, I, and this is me like trying to pick a favorite child or something because I love the entire <laughs> album and, and all the cuts are amazing. But um, it's a gorgeous tune that you make even more gorgeous. And I think it is truly the spotlight moment that showcases your skill as a storyteller. And candidly, I think for people who maybe don't come from a musical training background, I think it may be lost on them the complexity of technique and some of the things that they're hearing. There's some interesting intervals that you make sound easy that aren't easy and you're gliding effortlessly. Intonation is amazing. The phrasing is amazing. Um, and it just ends up being this beautiful thing, but uh, it, it is clearly the result of a lot of training and discipline and hard work. What was it about the tune that made you say, okay, not only do I only have six tunes I'm going to do, but three of them are going to be original. So I'm, I've only got three to choose from the whole rest of the world. And I want to choose this one. Well, I, I really wanted, uh, I mean, I knew that you'll never walk alone was going to be a ballad that, uh, that was going to be a part of the album. And I really wanted another ballad to be a part of it. And I was thinking, well, what's, what's a ballad that feels really true to me. And that I really want to sing. And, 
Um, and I found this tune and I had heard the the four freshmen and the letterman and the beach boys sing it. And I love that four part harmony. And yeah. I was, yeah. I love that sound. Um, and the lyric just felt perfect. Um, very nostalgic feeling and, um, sort of magical. So, um, that's why I chose that. And actually we did three or four takes of it in the studio and I was sort of having trouble getting into it, really telling the lyric. And, and I was, I felt kind of tense. Um, but the pianist got, he, he said, well, why don't we turn the lights off? Why don't we turn the lights off and see if that helps you, you know, get into the mood. And we did. And sure enough, that was the <laughs> that we chose. <laughs> so I, I realized, okay, I don't really need to do anything that special. I just got to sing the lyric and, um, and just tell the story and just let it breathe on its own. And so I, I also think it's, it's one of the, the best ones on the album. I really like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's a spectacular choice and it's a gift to the rest of us that we, we get to hear it. I really can't say enough about it. Um, why don't we do kind of a lightning uh, round of, of discussions around the rest of the tune list? Let's, let's start at the beginning. Always and forever. It's got this just infectious sort of easy swing. I, uh, I think of it as almost like a toy boat on a, on a pond, you know, it's just sort of bobbing along. Yeah. You know, I, I love the feel, but talk about this was a tune that your dad had written the music for. And you said, Hey, you got something I could write some lyrics to. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when this was, this has got to be like, over five years ago. And, um, it was around when I started my studies, um, at purchase. Um, and I was thinking, Oh, I mean, my dad's got some compositions that I can write. <laughs> I should try that. And, um, I think we were on a road trip somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't know. We were doing some festival and, um, and I asked him if he had any of his own music in the car that I could listen to. And, and he played always and forever. And I was like, this is a masterpiece. I mean, this <laughs> is, I it, honestly, I think it's one of my dad's masterpieces, that song. So it's a um, great piece. Yeah. It's very, and, and I think he played it um, with at jazz at Lincoln center with, with Marsalis and that whole orchestra long, long ago. Um, but uh but I decided, oh, I want to write some words to this. And it was just a happy lyric. And I wrote them right there in that car. <laughs> oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Really? <laughs> do, when you write, does it typically come pretty quickly and holistically for you? Or do you slave over it for days and weeks? What's it's Do you have a process? Sometimes. Sometimes it's kind of just thrown up. <laughs> 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 like it was that day. And, and, um, and sometimes I have to really, really think about what, what, what the, the music, what the melody is saying to me. And it, sometimes it takes a lot longer. Um, but I, um, actually take a lot of, uh, inspiration from, from David Bowie and my mom, because David Bowie's lyric writing was, um, I think he took inspiration from the, the surrealists in Paris, the, the cut up. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah collaging random thoughts and words and everything. So uh, that sort of helps when you take, it sort of helps take the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Interesting. Uh, it, it, in my own experience, I can't predict what's going to work. Sometimes it's an afternoon. Sometimes it's, I think I'm on year 15 of trying to finish one set of lyrics, you know, so, uh, uh, well, let's, let's go to the second cut going out of my head, uh, which for me, you know, I'm a lot older than you. I was, I was born in 64, which is the year this tune came out. Uh, so, uh, 
So, you know, for me, like the, the sounds of the late 60s and early 70s are sort of the sounds of my childhood. And when I hear going out of my head, it's a Saturday afternoon in the summer. I'm a little kid and it's AM radio and it's just kind of that sound. And so I see this on your tune list. I'm like, well, this is interesting. I wonder how she's going to approach this because it, it doesn't immediately speak to me as the kind of thing that you might find on a so-called jazz album. I absolutely love what you did with it. Um, talk you. to me about what, what your affinity for the tune is and, and how you decided to approach it. Well, I always loved the song. I think it was, I had a combo in college with Pete Malinverney and he wanted to do, I can't remember exactly what the project was, but he wanted to do some covers of some, uh, some songs, 1960. I, I know that we did some Joni Mitchell covers and stuff too. And I was asking my mom, what's a good, you know, what's a good song to do? And she mentioned some other songs like this masquerade, George Benson and yeah, going yeah. out of my head. I was like, oh, this is perfect. So that's when I really learned it. Um, and I love the Brazil 66, the Sergio Mendes version. Oh, yeah. That version, um, which is funny. I wore that, that you, album out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you say that it reminds you of like a summer afternoon Saturday. Because me too, even though I wasn't, <laughs> I was born in 97. <laughs> but it reminds me. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I, I've always liked that song. And so I brought it to Gotti, the pianist. And I mean, we sort of, I mean, the band, we, we clicked immediately. They, they kind of knew what to do immediately with that yeah. song. And that's been one of my favorites to perform with them. Well, it's, it's a, it's a treat. Um, and, and then the, the third tune on the album is, uh, another original that you wrote with, uh, with, uh, Avatar, your bass player, uh, start all over again. And, you know, when I heard it, uh, when I listened to it the first time, it felt very true. I thought to the theme of the album of something awaits of the being lost and found at the same time, start all over again. But it was this very sort of, hopeful or encouraging take on it. It's just like, begin again, you know, um, was, was that an intentional, uh, thing in your mind? Were you trying to address your pandemic experience or was this just something else? It wasn't really all that intentional. It just kind of seemed to work, which yeah. you know, is great. Um, yeah, Omer, it, that was just, a um, a, a small musical idea that he had and he brought to me and I, I, you know, took some inspiration from a few failed relationships. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the, the great wellspring for all musicians throughout exactly. all of history. Exactly. But sometimes you just got to get back on your feet again and, and it's all good. It's all a learning experience. Um, so that's where that came from. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, and, and, and it's a, it's a wonderful tune. So, and we talked about time was, mm. and then uh, the, the, the fifth tune, it just kind of makes me smile when I even think about it. Way down in Bedsty, uh, so Bedsty being the sort of city-sized neighborhood in Brooklyn, there's all these gentle ballads and these nice little grooves and these sweet thoughts. And then here comes Bedsty, which is the sort of cocky, in-your-face, sassy, strutting. It's got a whole attitude uh, yeah. that just that I I find very enchanting. Talk about where this tune came from. It's so funny that you mentioned the word sassy because the other night at Mesro, I did it with Omer and uh, someone after the show was like, that's a sassy. It is sassy. It is. I mean, honestly, if bed were going to adopt like a theme song or an anthem, I got to believe <laughs> residents would go like, oh, that's our tune, man. Oh, yeah, that's, that's our that's, tune. That's, that's us. Weird. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, 
Well, that that is the first, I think I mentioned this before, that's the first song that I wrote words to, the first song of Omer's that I wrote words to. Um, and immediately I was like, I hear walking down the street, um, just something really light, strolling down the street, kind of romantic story. And I mean, I had asked him, because he lived in Bed-Stuy, I was like, well, what's your experience with living in Bed-Stuy? I mean, I had, I had lived there for a little bit. I moved there uh, at some point in the pandemic. Um, but he said, oh, it's just romantic fun. I was like, okay, well, I'll work with that and see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but those were, that was a lyric that, that kind of just came out. And I think I had a performance, uh, the next day or maybe that night. Um, and I knew that it was going to be a live recording, which was actually going to be my debut album. It was going to be a live, a live album. Okay. All right. Um, Unfortunately, the sound didn't come out too well, so we decided to take that into the studio. But that night um, was the night I performed that for the first time. So my dad came up, I performed some songs with him, and I wanted you know Omer to be a part of it because I had just started writing these lyrics and, and performing with Omer and Itai and Gadi, and I wanted everyone to sort of like I wanted to I wanted that magic to come through. So you wrote it that day and sang it that night. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me about your work is you you seem, and this may be different than the way you feel inside, but rather fearless. I mean, that's it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I just sketched this tune out today. Let's let's try it tonight. You know, I mean, I love that. I love that attitude. Do you feel fearless in your music? It's a tough question. Sometimes, sometimes I feel on stage. I, I will say, I don't know about fearless. I will say on stage and when I'm performing, I feel free. I, that's when I am the most free. So I don't know if it's fearless or, but it's definitely a, a sense of freedom. So does that, does that go way back for you? I remember, I know like in high school, you were getting all the, you know, the, the lead parts and chorus line and this sort of thing, you know, as far back as you can remember, if you were on stage, was that, liberation for you or was it uh, ever a source of anxiety um it's always a little bit of anxiety it's, and i think <laughs> it's kind of just a part of it and if if i yeah. weren't nervous every single time at least a little bit it would probably be a little boring but um um when i was younger it was definitely more more anxiety and i i have the tendency to be a perfectionist um but as i kind of do this more and grow up a little bit more. I am sort of learning to let go a little bit. Um, and I think that'll probably be a lifelong process, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, when I started studying with Anne, um, that was something that was really healing for me, um, because I had just moved to New York and it was really difficult, um, leaving family back home in Kansas city and adjusting this new environment in New York. I mean, it's completely different as you know, also. Um, so singing has always been a, a healing place, maybe an escape, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Well, you sound completely free in, in your performances. That's for sure. Let's talk about the last tune on the album, which I think you, you mentioned, you also sang that same night that you're referring to, but you close with, you'll never walk alone, which 
uh, and I know you already know this, but because we've talked about it before, but, but mm-hmm. for the record, you know, that's a tune that I can barely read the title of it without uh, having to fight back tears. Right. It's this incredibly um, important part of my musical heritage. And I know it was for your mom as well. We both were part of a high school music program where that song played a very important uh, uh, part in our, in our time there. And so I, I have these incredible emotional ties to it, but when I think of it again, going back to sort of the, the context of the album, it's like, well, it's usually done with this almost operatic or theatrical sort of Orchid. swelling orchestra. Yeah. I mean, and that's gorgeous. And I love that. And you know, um, yeah. it moves me every time, but you do it voice and piano. Yeah. And you you let it build, and then you bring us back down into this into something utterly unexpected. The way you close the tune, it, it's almost uh, as if you've decided you're going to take some of those childhood references and put them all in one tune because you've got this beautiful, <laughs> delicate thing, and then you got this little coat of groove that you go out on. Yeah. Just this, and and it's it's just it's a unique rendering of the tune, and uh, I can't listen to it without tears. Uh, again, uh, you do a beautiful job with it. Did you have any idea that it was a part of your mom's sort of musical heritage, or was this happenstance? This was totally happenstance. I was looking for for a tearjerker, <laughs> as I tend to do. Well, well done. Yeah. <laughs> and um. And Gaddy, we were working on some duo stuff together, and I thought this was an epic song that we could really kill. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, so I, I think I listened to Frank Sinatra's version, and I was like, well, this is perfect. I got to do it. And it totally wrapped up everything that I was feeling in the pandemic. I was feeling lonely and lost, and I think a lot of people were. Um, and it sort of described this togetherness that I felt at this club at Wilson. And um and I told my mom about it. And what do you think of this song? And she's like, what? And she told me the whole story about how you guys went to London and performed it. And it is sort of a, a big, uh, important memory for, for her and you guys. Um, so I thought it was perfect. And I was going to title the album, You'll Never Walk Alone. And I had this whole idea uh, behind that. And, I, you know, ideas just change all the time. I don't know where sure. that went. But yeah. I knew it was supposed to be a part of the album. And I sang it with Gotti. Uh, that night at, um, at Wilson. Um, and, um, it was very emotional. My dad was sitting in the front row and I saw him tearing up and, you know, that's not, I don't see my dad tearing up that often. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, yeah, there's, like you said, there's a delicacy of the, um, of the, the way I sing the song it's in my upper register. And I think that's when my dad started feeling this twinge in his heart and I saw it it was really emotional and actually my dad came up to me after the show we closed with that song like on the album it closes with that and my dad came up to me after the show and just cried and hugged me and said how proud he was and it was a moment that I got to share with my dad but also share with everyone else in the audience and with the band and it it felt like yeah it was healing I, I keep saying that but it was really healing. And this girl came up to me after the show and said, Hey, I think we have a lot in common actually. And so it was this connectedness, this togetherness, this healing, um, this openness that was truly magical. And I, yeah, I just wanted to capture that through, through this album because I don't, I'll carry that with me forever. 
You know, it's such a remarkable experience. And, and I have to say, I think you're fortunate in that I'm not sure musicians get that very often or very early in their careers. I mean, that's a remarkable moment. And that's, I mean, the pandemic sucked, like to put it lightly, but I'm, I don't regret anything. Um, and I am, I think nobody gets that experience that I got to, to be around musicians and artists full time and have moments like that. And I think, I mean, that the pandemic helped all of us realize that this is, this is essential for our survival. Music and art is important and we need to be together and create. I mean, it's important to all of us. So, um, and yeah, I, I do think I'm really lucky. I don't think anyone really gets to experience that often. I think it's kind of rare. Yeah. So I, yeah. Well, I was struck by something you said as, as you know, we were talking some months ago as you were working on, on the project and, um, the idea of being healing uh, has come up a lot and that, that yeah. you talked about, that's what you, you hope the album does for other people. But you said something I thought was really profound, which is, you know, uh, I hope people find it healing because we're all healing from something, aren't we? Yeah. And I thought that was very insightful. Uh, and I think probably that became especially clear during the pandemic. So yeah. um, it, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful testament to the time, but also, your amazing talent. Um, now I, I know, uh, firsthand and, uh, in, in observing you, this is an exhausting process to produce your own album. Uh, are you, and, and as we said, it, it releases officially June 30th, uh, everywhere you buy, download and, uh, stream your music and on lucywineland.com. I hope people go check it out. Uh, for you is, uh, is the next step, looking ahead to the next project or are you just, are you kind of going to, you know, let yourself recover. Are you exhausted? Or are you ready to go again? I'm like all everything at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I learned so much through this process. How I, I, I learned that, Oh, when I started this, I didn't know what I was doing. That's what I learned. It's like, I, I didn't know what I was in for really. But that, not, I, none of us do, by the way, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the truth. So, yeah, but I got through it and, um, and the result is I'm so happy with it at like, it's now this whole memory is, is not just a memory. It's, it's yeah. documented in this album, but, um, I, I am ready to, uh, Cause this is already, I mean, these songs are like almost two years old. Like my voice now has grown so much and my performance etiquette and everything has grown so much. So I am ready to um, record again and keep going. Um, but yeah, I, it's going to be a learning process each time. Like I, I already kind of forget every, everything. Like <laughs> all of that. Well, and you know, at, uh, again, I'm sort of, I, I don't mean to make you uncomfortable because I keep kind of emphasizing your, your youth here, but at, at 25 years old, already doing Birdland, Mesro, having toured multiple recordings, your own album. Yeah, those are things that people twice your age are still aspiring to. So right. when you look at the range of things you've accomplished and the performance opportunities you've had, uh, what what motivates you? What's next? What do you aspire to? What What's in the, the category of dreams for you at this point? It's really hard to say, but all I, all I um, really want in life is to keep having moments like that, magical moments like that. Keep sharing 
with uh, with musicians and artists and keep creating and keep performing and um, keep that that feeling of freedom when I'm on stage. Um, I would love to tour the world and share my story with everybody. Um, and yeah, I just, I, my goal is to, uh, help people heal from something and, and to also personally heal through singing. And, and I just want to keep creating. That's, yeah. that's what I know. I don't really know what's to come, but I trust that, um, making art is something awaits. <laughs> something away. Well done. Well said. Well, <laughs> this, spectacular music from a spectacular person uh as we wrap up here uh anything you want to you got any upcoming performances people can catch you at uh do you, anything else we should know well tonight i am <laughs> <laughs> tonight, tonight won't make it to air but that's okay tell us anyway <laughs> um tonight I am at club room, but nobody, yeah, nobody's going to make that but <laughs> that is a legendary place that i'm excited about um and July 9th, I'll be at Mesro Jazz Club again with a great pianist, Tyler Henderson, and a great bassist, Giuseppe Cucchiata. I hope I say that right. Um, Fabulous. And I'm very excited for that. So, Mesro. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. And tell us uh, where we can find your album. Tell us about your website. Do, your, do all the plugging you want to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you can find my album june 30th um on all streaming platforms uh follow me on spotify spotify is really the one i'm trying to push spotify and youtube actually but you know whatever platform you like to use you Great. can listen to my to my album on that um i'll be i have a limited amount of cds right now um, i'm gonna work on ordering some more that i can sell um off my website um and yeah and on, on your website, people can sign up for your newsletter, right? So that you can stay in touch with them. Yes. And I, I kind of like everybody to know that Instagram is, is my favorite platform. That's where I sort of post all my performances and my art. Um, I don't really do TikTok too often. I'm not there yet. Um, or Facebook. So if you want a, a more personal update on my life, yeah. then Instagram is the place. <laughs> Fabulous. Lucy Winans, your music is a joy. You are a joy. And it's been a joy to spend time with you. I, I just can't tell you what a fan I am and how proud I am of you personally. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this has been great. So everybody check Lucy's music out and we'll catch you at another easy jazz spotlight. Bye for now. Bye. This has been another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight. Be sure to join us next time.